0: did you ever get caught? No, never. Why? They say. I'm a deadly innocent guy.
1: You ever get caught? Did you ever get caught? Did you ever get caught? No, never, never. Why? I'm a deadly innocent guy. Disclaimer. In this story, we will be discussing the murder and sexual assault of multiple women and some teenage girls. This chapter may be triggering for some listeners. This will be the only warning. Please do not listen if you're sensitive to this topic.
0: What is up, everyone? Hey. (laughs) Welcome back to another chapter of True Crime Story. I've been waiting to record this story for weeks. I remember years and years ago, I watched the movie based off of these crimes named Carla. Well, I'm sure there's more than one movie, Mm -hmm. but... This one specifically was starring uh, Laura Prepon, I think is how you pronounce it. That's so 70s yeah. show. And Misha Collins. And Misha Collins was maybe less known back then, but now he's famous for his role in like Supernatural and stuff, which is why I can't watch that show, honestly, because mm-hmm. when I see his face, even though he's like filled out a little bit more, I just link him to Paul Bernardo, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Probably due to seeing the movie when I was too young, but still. This story is about Canada's Ken and Barbie killers Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. The two looked like the picture perfect couple, both good looking, well educated, and well employed. Notice how I used the word picture before perfect, as things were ugly and dirty behind their facade.
1: No kidding.
0: No kidding. So Paul's crimes also led to him having other names such as the Scarborough rapist and the schoolgirl killer. So he was kind of multiple criminals that they thought that they were hunting. Yeah. Um, so let's get into their background a little bit. Paul Bernardo was born in Scarborough. Ontario on august 27th 1964 the third and legally youngest child of kenneth walter bernardo and marilyn elizabeth bernardo kenneth often sexually abused paul's older sister deborah in front of other family members and would eventually be charged with crimes involving voyeurism and pedophilia wow Yeah, Marilyn often withdrew from her family due to depression and agoraphobia, eventually moving into the basement, so she was afraid to go outside. Paul presented himself as being a happy and well-adjusted child despite his family's dysfunction. He was an active member of the Boy Scouts. Beneath the charming facade, however, he gradually developed pyromaniac inclinations and dark sexual fantasies, one of which involved creating a virgin farm where he would breed virgin girls to rape. Classy. Fucking disgusting. After a fight between his parents in 1981, Paul aged 16 at the time, was informed by his mother that he was the result of an affair and that Kenneth was not his biological father, which is why above, I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> legally, Yes. <laughs> repulsed, Paul began to call his mother slut and whore, and she reciprocated by calling him a bastard from hell. Later, after growing weary of Paul's domineering behavior, his first girlfriend left him for one of his friends. In retaliation, Paul set fire to all of her belongings to which he had access. So, (laughs) for some reason, like, I'm sure everything shaped him into who he was, like his dad being that monster and Mm -hmm. everything, but... It really bothered him when he found out that that wasn't even his dad. And I mean, nature
1: versus nurture. He had to be born with something not quite right for um, him to be nurtured into the level of monster he was.
0: For sure. And he obviously is a narcissist. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In 1982, Paul attended the University of Toronto, Scarborough, so the UTSC, where another notorious Canadian murderer, Russell Williams, was coincidentally two academic years behind him.
1: Which blows my mind, because Russell Williams, like, he looks do ancient. Oh, I mean, I plan to. Okay, But uh, <laughs> in, his, in his interrogation a few years ago, like 10 years ago or whatever it was, he looks like 50s or you know hmm. older than me anyways but i still have this picture of paul bernardo in my head yeah. of this blonde 20s something and i know he's not but you know what i'm yeah. saying so it's just bizarre that it's paul weird. bernardo is actually older than russell williams which so just it's sorry weird. i digress continue no
0: totally it's weird as his uh, day job, Paul worked for Amway. The sales culture of which uh, deeply affected him. He bought the books and tapes of famous motivational, get rich, and famous experts. So honestly, it helped him tweak and perfect his narcissist behavior that carried himself with such mm-hmm. grace. If for you will. sure. For sure. Paul and his college friends practiced pickup techniques on young women. They met in bars and were fairly successful. Paul delighted in humiliating his dates in public and engaging in aggressive anal intercourse in bed. His relationships became increasingly violent and unstable, and his partners were threatened with death if they disclosed the abuse. In 1986, Paul was served with restraining orders by two women after he made obscene phone calls. That's crazy. Wow. In October 1987, Paul met Carla while she was visiting Scarborough to attend a pet store conference. The two shared an immediate attraction as Carla encouraged Paul's sadistic sexual behavior. So, before we get into, like, fully... What they did when they met. Let's get into Carla Leanne Homolka.
1: I hate that she's a Taurus. I <laughs>
0: hate. I wonder what he is. I bet you he's like a Gemini.
1: He is um a Libra.
0: I could see how a male Libra could uh, get there. Mm-hmm. So, Carla was born May fourth, nineteen seventy. She had two younger sisters, Lori and Tammy. Carla was a bright child and good student that was doted on by her father, but he would also insult her and her mother and sisters during his drunk episodes and took refuge in the basement when he got in arguments with them. When the Homolka's marriage faltered and he took on a mistress, however, the wife's response was to propose her a threesome and keep on as normal. like, why don't you just bring her in and we'll swing a couple times and then you could just stay married to me, please. Interesting. Because it speaks to how these two were raised. Were raised. It's crazy. Like, usually I don't go this far into backgrounds for people, but it is so important for this case. So, Paul was already a piece of shit before even leaving his mother's house, obviously. That's pretty safe to say. We're going to continue off after he left home, before he met Carla. Let's get into his crimes that he was convicted of. On May 4th, 1987, around 1 a.m., a 21-year-old woman was attacked outside of her parents' house just minutes after getting off the bus. She was attacked and raped. Imagine that, right outside your parents' house. Like, ugh! And he did that often. He Hmm. was sadistic.
1: And how, uh coincidental is it that this first crime was on um, carla's 17th birthday i like to point that out may 4th
0: oh true Gross. The fuck? wow just 10 days later on may 14th paul raped a 19 year old girl who was in her parents backyard a few weeks later he attempted to rape a young woman he beat her but she fought back causing him to flee On September 29th, Paul attempted to rape a 15-year-old girl. He broke into the home and snuck into the girl's bedroom and jumped on her back. He put his hand over her mouth and threatened her with a knife. He bruised the side of her face and bit her ear. Paul fled when the girl's mother entered the room and screamed. Side fact for this crime is that Anthony Hainmayer was wrongfully convicted of the assault in 1989 and served a 16-month prison sentence but was exonerated after paul admitted to the crime in 2006 so again just like kind of showing how yeah even police get it wrong sometimes bro Ooh, for sure on october 17th 1987 paul met carla in a hotel's restaurant so they met you know she was in scarborough for that pet store thing. He was 23 at the time and Carla was only 17. They were instantly attracted to one another and ended up having sex almost immediately after meeting in front of their two friends. Like well, their friends were like watching they were the while they just room, yeah. banged. What the fuck?
1: And I... I don't know, man. I feel like I've... I, I've read reports that they were actually having very rough sex yeah. in the hotel room with their friends watching the and being like, what the room. fuck? Yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah. No, that's what I've seen too, and that's why they say that Carla um was okay with his deviant oh, sexual absolutely
1: behavior. Absolutely she was. <laughs>
0: But, uh, so, you know, after this, there seemed to be a pause in attacks. But during this time, Paul started to visit Carla twice a week. He slowly came to control how Carla dressed, ate, and acted. He would call her names like fat and ugly. And unlike his previous relationships, Carla submitted to the abuse and even encouraged Paul's deviant sexual behavior. When Paul found out that Carla was not a virgin before he slept with her, he was extremely annoyed. Hmm on december 16th he started tormenting once again when he raped a 15 year old girl the next day toronto police service issued a warning to women in the scarborough area about traveling alone at night only a few days later on december 23rd right before christmas paul raped a 17 year old girl while threatening her with a knife this is when he started to be called the scarborough rapist Right before Christmas? Like, like he's a monster.
1: monster. He is, and for them to take that long, in my opinion, to oh. connect them all, I mean, it just... It's,
0: they drag their feet. It's disgusting. In 1988, Carla's friend discovered, quote, the list. Carla writes about having a healthy diet, exercising regularly, and having good hygiene. She also writes in regards to Paul and their relationship, um, and this is a quote... Never let anyone know our relationship is anything but perfect. Don't talk back to Paul. Be a perfect girlfriend. Be a perfect girlfriend for Paul. If Paul asks for a drink, bring him one quickly and happily. Remember, you're stupid. Remember, you're ugly. Remember, you're fat. I don't know why I tell you these things because you never change. Now, there are theories that he actually wrote that mm. and gave it to her to carry around with her.
1: Probably dictated to her.
0: Yeah, that's what I think too. Yeah. Like made her write it. Yeah. Which. Jesus Christ!
1: And like, that's on her if she stayed. Like, I'm there. so
0: disconnected from. Uh, I get it, like abuse. It's so hard to leave, and but like she had, she had places to go. She had parents who were like come stay with me, and I don't know. I would have left him so fucking quick anyway. <laughs> so on April 18th, 1988, Paul rapes and attacks a 17 year old girl who had just gotten off of her bus. The attack lasted 45 minutes. That's crazy. Right? Like, how the fuck? May 25th, 1988, Paul was nearly caught by a uniformed police officer staking out a bus shelter. Although officers noticed him hiding under a tree and pursued him on foot, Paul escaped.
1: Wow. I didn't know about that.
0: Just pathetic. Just five days later, May 30th, Paul attacks an 18-year-old woman in Mississauga, Ontario, about 40 kilometers southwest of Scarborough. The police must have scared him enough for him to change his MO slightly. So he left Scarborough a little bit and he ventured out to find his next victim. October 4th, he attempts to rape an unknown girl, but she fought him off and sadly she was actually stabbed in her thigh and butt and needed 12 stitches so he really Mm -hmm. tried to force her into submission but she fought the entire time no matter what kind of pain he forced on her reportedly in november paul meets a girl named anna and begins dating her while he is in toronto and also continues to see carla Paul also begins to become attracted to Carla's younger sister, Tammy. He demands that Tammy not have sex with any guy, which Carla works to maintain, we believe. Mm. So November 16th, Paul again rapes a girl in the backyard of the victim's parents. She was 18 years old at the time. So that's the second time that he was able to do that in the parents of the victim's. November 17th, 1988, police formed a task force to capture the Scarborough rapist. Because now it's becoming a problem. Yeah. Obviously. On December 27th, Paul attempts to attack yet another girl, but luckily a neighbor chases him off. On June 20th, 1989, Paul attacks. Nope. Paul attempts to attack a young woman, but she fights back and Paul flees. Paul is left with scratches to his face after this one. Good. Good. On August 15th, he rapes a 22-year-old woman. November 21st, Paul rapes a 15-year-old while she was in a bus shelter. Um, Carla was aware of what Paul was doing at this time, and there was allegations from one victim that Carla was present when she was attacked, recording it on camera, but... These allegations were ignored by the police. Hmm. So, on December 22nd, Paul rapes a 19-year-old woman. And then we are going on to May 26th, 1990. Paul rapes a 19-year-old woman again. The victim's vivid recollection of her attacker enabled police to create a computer composite Portrait, which was released two days later by police and publicized in Toronto and surrounding areas.
1: Which I got to say, it was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Like, it was pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, I honestly think that during her attack, she was like, fine, do whatever you want, but I'm studying your face, bitch. This caused a massive number of tips. At the time, Paul had quit his job and got his money by smuggling cigarettes across the US-Canadian border. Friends and previous girlfriends of Paul saw the release sketch and tried to contact the police, but the officers were overwhelmed by other tips and were unable to follow up on them. In November, two detectives visited Paul and took blood, saliva, and hair samples from him, but they wouldn't be tested for two years.
1: Yeah, I know. (laughs) Two years. It was ridiculous.
0: So, by 1990... Paul spent long periods of time with Carla's family who liked him and were unaware of his criminal activities. Although he was engaged to Carla, he had become obsessed with her younger sister Tammy, peering into her window and entering her room to masturbate while she slept. Carla helped Paul by breaking the windows in her sister's room, allowing him access, making sure that they couldn't be locked. And according to Paul's testimony at trial... Carla laced spaghetti sauce with crushed Valium she had stolen from her employer at an animal clinic. Mm -hmm. She served it to her sister, who soon lost consciousness. Paul then raped Tammy while Carla watched. After one minute, Tammy regained consciousness. Six months before their 1991 wedding, Carla stole the anesthetic agent Halothane from the clinic. On December 23rd, 1990, Carla and Paul administered sleeping pills to 15-year-old Tammy in a rum and eggnog cocktail. When Tammy lost consciousness, Carla and Paul undressed her, and Carla applied a halothane soaked cloth to her sister's nose and mouth. Carla wanted to give Tammy's virginity to Paul for Christmas, because according to Carla... Paul was disappointed that he was not Carla's first sex partner. Mm. So I'm guessing when they um drugged Tammy the first time he tried to rape her.
1: I I had heard, like I had always thought it was an oral rape.
0: Mm, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was only a minute and mm. she woke up anyway. And yeah, we know for sure that Carla wanted to gift Tammy's virginity to Paul at Christmas. Yeah. Um So, yeah, with Tammy's parents sleeping upstairs, the couple videotaped themselves raping Tammy in the basement. Tammy began to vomit. They tried to revive her and called 911 after hiding evidence and dressing Tammy and moving her into her bedroom. A few hours later, Tammy was pronounced dead at St. Catherine's General Hospital without regaining consciousness. So, Tammy's sister allowed her... To get raped and murdered. By her boyfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. Stupid bitch. Yeah. Carla ended up admitting to this in a letter to her parents only after she struck a deal to, you know, not be put away forever. But at the time, despite being observed vacuuming and washing laundry in the middle of the night and despite a chemical burn on Tammy's face, the regional municipality of Niagara coroner and Carla's family accepted the couple's version of events. The official cause of Tammy's death was ruled accidental. The result of choking on vomit after consumption of alcohol. So like the, I don't know. To me, it's stupid. Mm -hmm. After Tammy's death, Paul and Carla videotaped themselves engaging in sexual intercourse with Carla wearing Tammy's clothing and pretending to be her. They moved out of the Homolka house to a rented bungalow in Port Dalhousie to allow Carla's parents to grieve. They were like, let us get out of your way. We just want to have sex. Like, we don't really care.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. horrible. Yeah.
0: I'm going to play a clip of their home videos, which when watching the video, you can see his interest in Tammy. He asks her what she's drinking at the beginning, too, which is why I will play the sound clip. But if you're interested in watching the long lost videotapes, you can do so on YouTube.
1: All right. Wait, what are you drinking there?
0: Uh,
1: ice. Ice? Ice baby to go? No. Okay, let's see what's up. We have the television, and we have La Carla drinking, and La Lori, which is absolutely not drinking. Yeah, you're
0: looking good. Yeah, they're the best ones. Car. Do you like those? Yeah. They're good. Oh, don't eat that. So yeah, it's gross, and it's gross to hear it, and like hear him talking to her normal, mm. even though they were such bad people. Early in the morning of June fifteenth, nineteen 1991, while detouring through Burlington to steal license plates, Paul came across 14-year-old Leslie Mahaffey. Leslie had been locked out of her house for missed curfew after attending a friend's wake. Paul left his car and approached Leslie, saying that he wanted to break into a neighbor's house. Unfazed, she asked if he had any cigarettes, and Paul led her to his car blindfolded her forced her into the car and then drove her to port Dalhousie and informed Carla that they had a victim so imagine I just want to take a second to say imagine thinking you're like parenting your kid by being like I told you door shuts at this time yeah and having to live with that like
1: Ooh. oh yeah her Ooh. mom is to this day destroyed that's so sad it is
0: paul and carla videotaped themselves torturing and sexually abusing leslie while they listened to pop music at one point paul said you're doing a good job leslie a damned good job and then he added the next two hours are going to determine what i do to you right now you're scoring perfect On another segment of tape played at Paul's trial, the assault escalated. Leslie cried out in pain and begged Paul to stop. In the crown description of the scene, he was sodomizing her while her hands were bound with twine. Leslie later told Paul that her blindfold seemed to be slipping, which signaled the possibility that she could identify her attackers if she lived. The following day, Paul claimed Carla fed her a lethal dose of Halcyon, but Carla claimed that Paul strangled her. They put Leslie's body in their basement the day before Carla's family had dinner at the house.
1: Wasn't that Easter dinner or something?
0: Probably. Yeah, I'm not too sure. But Following the dinner party, Paul and Carla decided to dismember Leslie's body and encase each part of her remains in cement. Paul bought a dozen bags of cement at a hardware store, The following day and he kept the receipts which were damaging at his trial an idiot an idiot after paul cut apart the body using his grandfather's circular saw the couple made a number of trips to dump the cement blocks in lake gibson 18 kilometers south of port dalhousie at least one of the blocks weighed 200 pounds and was beyond their ability to sink it lay near the shore where it was found on June twenty ninth, nineteen ninety one, coincidentally on Paul and Carla's wedding day. If that's not karma, I don't know what is.
1: It's so disgusting. Like to look at their wedding pictures in this fairy tale wedding. Yeah. And
0: they pretend.
1: They're total facade. And then just down the road, this poor little girl's remains are being found.
0: Literally. Leslie's orthodontic appliance was instrumental in identifying her, obviously, because they butchered her. Horrible. Several days before Carla's release from prison in July 2005, Paul was interviewed by police and his lawyer, Tony Bryant. According to Bryant, Paul stated that he had always intended to free the girls he and Carla had kidnapped. However, when Leslie's blindfold fell off, Carla was concerned that Leslie would identify Paul and report the couple to the police. Paul claimed that Carla planned to murder Leslie by injecting an air bubble into her bloodstream, triggering an air embolism. So, I just thought that was important to touch on, just Mm -hmm. because, like, there is... A lot of finger pointing and i mean there is a lot of finger pointing and having carla be released from prison like right now she's just chilling she's living her everyday life with kids with kids fucking loving life somewhere in fucking quebec it's just crazy to me it's absolutely nuts
1: good news though um within the last few years she was kicked out of the pta the Parent Teacher I seen, Association.
0: I seen people getting interviewed. Like, did you know that Carla Homoka lives here and goes by this name? Like, a news outlet just totally outing her to a bunch of people, and they were like, "What?" <laughs>
1: there, I mean, she's lucky
0: that you she's don't see still that online. Death pool on her for, for sure.
1: Years, so she's she's lucky, and she's just shut up it's forever. Just she go should hide be in the basement. It's horrible, cruel, animal. Cr- cruelty to children really to even for her to even procreate
0: yeah why why would she think that's ever a good idea why do you think that you have the right to do that
1: that's right and your kids what they're gonna go through like they didn't well whatever and
0: what man
1: the prisoner that she was buddy buddy with Ugh, whatever anyway yeah bitch
0: During the after-school hours of April 16, 1992, Paul and Carla drove through St. Catharines to look for potential victims. Although students were still going home, the streets were generally empty. As they passed Holy Cross Secondary School, the couple spotted 15-year-old Kristen French walking home. After they pulled into the parking lot of nearby Grace Lutheran Church, Carla got out of the car carrying a map, pretending to need assistance. Again, this alone should be enough to lock her away for forever. Yeah, but she
1: didn't admit to any of this shit till after the deal was done. I know, fucking bitch. But nowadays, they find out she lied about this much stuff. There is no deal. Yeah. Should have been that way back then.
0: Did us. When Kristen looked at the map, Paul attacked from behind and forced her into the front seat of the car at knife point. From the back seat, Carla subdued Kristen by pulling her hair. After Kristen failed to arrive home, her parents became convinced that she was in trouble and notified police. Within 24 hours, the Niagara Regional Police Service assembled a team, searched Kristen's after-school route, and found several witnesses who had seen the abduction from different locations. Kristen's shoe recovered from the parking lot showed the seriousness of the abduction. Over the Easter weekend, Paul and Carla videotaped themselves torturing, raping, and sodomizing Kristen, forcing her to drink large amounts of alcohol and submit to Paul. At his trial, Crown Prosecutor Ray Houlihan said that Paul always intended to kill Kristen because she was never blindfolded and could identify her captors. The following day, Paul and Carla murdered Kristen before going to the... Oh, Oh, Paul, Paul and Carla murdered Kristen before going to the Homolka's for Easter dinner. There's the Easter dinner. So you just got the murders mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. Carla testified at her trial that Paul strangled Kristen for seven minutes while she watched. Paul claimed that Carla beat Kristen with a rubber mallet because she tried to escape. And Kristen was strangled with a noose around her neck, which was secured to a hope chest. Carla then went to fix her hair. That's what, it's kind of like a he said, she said, like, Mm -hmm. well, she did this. No, he did that. Kristen's nude body was found on April 30th, 1992 in a ditch in Burlington, about 45 minutes from St. Catherine's and a short distance from the cemetery where Leslie is buried. She had been washed and her hair was cut off. Although it was thought that the hair was removed as a trophy, Carla testified that it was cut to make identification harder for police. Again, what a fucking, what a, what a great citizen.
1: She's a terrible person. Like, I hate her.
0: Horrible, horrible person. And yeah, there's like new interviews and stuff with Paul going on because, spoiler alert, he was just moved from a maximum security prison to a medium security, which people, everybody's pissed about. But I just want to say that like, during his like newer interrogations, he is still caught on the fact that Carla is not being held responsible. And it almost feels like it's life mission. Like he yeah. is in prison and he's he, obsessed
1: with getting her to serve time.
0: Yeah, he's it's killing him inside that and it's because he was an abuser for sure. Like yeah. he wants her to. So that's the only thing that makes me think like honestly cool that she's out because she's she's living there's no way she's living a good life there's no way that she's finding people to be friends with and shit mm. but it is eating paul alive in prison yeah so much that it's all he can talk about
1: yeah true enough but he's still he's still a violent defender and shouldn't be in medium security
0: No, no. I honestly, I would be totally for Carla being in prison for her entire life. And then they just tell Paul, like, that she's doing so good and that she's living in Quebec. Like, that would be optimal, honestly. But 26 months after Paul submitted a DNA sample, Toronto police were informed that it matched that of the Scarborough rapist and immediately placed him under 24-hour surveillance. Metro Toronto Sexual Assault Squad investigators interviewed Carla on February 9, 1993. Despite hearing their suspicions about Paul, she focused on his abuse of her. Later that night, Carla told her aunt and uncle that Paul was the Scarborough rapist, that she and Paul were involved in the rape and murder of Leslie and Kristen, and that the rapes were recorded on videotape.
1: Hmm.
0: Yep the NRP subsequently reopened its investigation of Tammy Homoka's death. Two days later, Carla met with Niagara Falls lawyer George Walker, who sought legal immunity from Crown Prosecutor Houlihan in exchange for her cooperation. So February 14th, 1993, Walker met with Crown Criminal Law Office Director Murray Siegel. And after Walker told Siegel about the videotapes, Sigal advised him that due to Carla's involvement in the crimes, full immunity was not a possibility, which is fair, Mm -hmm. but she got too much as it is.
1: She definitely downplayed what her involvement
0: was. For sure. But she should have to sign like what she said is like generally true. And if it's not true, then the
1: deal should have been revoked. No.
0: Yeah. On February 17th, detectives arrested Paul on several charges and obtained a search warrant. Because his link to the murders was weak, the warrant was limited. So no evidence, which was not expected and documented in the warrant, could be removed from his property. Hmm. So they couldn't take anything and everything they wanted. And all videotapes found by police had to be viewed in the house. Damage had to be kept to a minimum. And police could not tear down walls, you know, looking for tapes and stuff. Like they couldn't, they couldn't turn the house over. The search of the house, including updated warrants, lasted 71 days. And the only tape found by police had a brief segment of Carla performing oral sex on Jane Doe. During a call from jail, Paul told his lawyer, Ken Murray, that the rape videos were hidden in a ceiling light fixture in the upstairs bathroom. Murray found the tapes and hid them from investigators. After Murray resigned as Paul's lawyer, his new attorney, John Rosen, turned the tapes over to police. On May 5th, Walker was informed that the government was offering Carla a plea bargain of 12 years imprisonment, which she had one week to accept. If she declined, the government would charge her with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, and other crimes as well. Walker accepted the offer, and Carla later agreed to it. On May 14th, Carla's plea bargain was finalized, and she began giving statements to police investigators. She told police that Paul boasted that he had raped as many as 30 women, twice as many as the police suspected. I'm going to play a clip here that you'll need to concentrate to hear because it is old. But if you need to, you can also go to the link in our show notes and watch the video with subtitles. Okay, the reason why he started bringing me home was because he wasn't satisfied with just like raping and leaving. He wanted to have it over and over and over again. That's why his ultimate, his ultimate fantasy was to have like sex lives. to <laughs> he. Constant beatings—it hell. He wanted to attack somebody, but there was nobody. And when he came back, he you, you have lots of photographs to show you. Mm-hmm. In addition to the three confirmed murders that Paul and Carla committed, suspicions remain about other possible victims or intended victims. So I thought it'd be interesting to go through those. The first one being. From Derek Finkel's 1997 book, No Claim to Mercy. So, in the book, he presented evidence tying Paul to the presumed murder of 22-year-old Elizabeth Bain, who disappeared on June 19, 1990. Elizabeth had told her mother that she was going to check the tennis schedule at UTSC. Three days later, her car was found with a large blood stain. Paul matched the description of a man in the colonel Danforth Park area where Elizabeth was last seen and later confessed to at least eight attacks in and around the same park. Elizabeth's boyfriend, Robert Baltovich, was convicted of second-degree murder in her death on March thirty-first, 1992. During his trial and subsequent imprisonment, Robert and his lawyers repeatedly alleged that Paul was the perpetrator. The Court of Appeal for Ontario set aside Robert's conviction on December 2nd, 2004, and at his retrial on April 22nd, 2008, the Crown told the court that no evidence would be called against him and asked the jury to find him not guilty of second-degree murder. When questioned about the Bain killing in 2007, Paul said, quote, the answer to that is no, but the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room is that it is a life to twenty five sentence.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> just a pig.
0: Just a pig, and like that. And that means he did it. Yeah. <laughs> He's like the answer to that is no, I didn't do that. But just remember that there's also this huge fucking elephant in the room, which is a big sentence. Yeah. Horrible. Shortly after Tammy Homolka's funeral, her parents left town and her sister Lori visited grandparents in Mississauga, leaving the house empty. According to author Stephen Williams, during the weekend of January 12th, 1991, Paul abducted a girl, took her to the house, raped her while Carla watched, and dropped her off on a deserted road near Lake Gibson. Paul and Carla called her January girl. So gross That's according to that author though. So, mm-hmm. what's his source? Not sure. Would I believe it? Sure would. Of course. At about 5:30 a.m. on April 6, 1991, Paul abducted a 14-year-old girl who was training to be a coxswain for a local rowing team. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that right, but it's for the local rowing team. The girl was distracted by a blonde woman who waved at her from her car, enabling Paul to drag her into the shrubbery near the rowing club. He sexually assaulted her, forced her to remove her clothes, and made her wait five minutes during which he disappeared. Weird. A blonde waved at her. Strange. Very. Kyle is blonde. Did you know that? Oh uh, Yeah. <laughs> On June 7th, 1991, Carla invited a 15-year-old girl she had befriended at a pet shop two years earlier known as Jane Doe to their home. So she invited that 15-year-old to their home. After being drugged by Carla, Jane Doe was sexually assaulted by the couple, which was videotaped. In August, Jane Doe was invited back to the couple's residence and was again drugged. Carla called 911 for help after the girl vomited and stopped breathing while being raped. The ambulance was recalled after Paul and Carla resuscitated her.
1: And I don't know. In Alberta, if you call 911, <clears throat> ambulance, police, whatever's dispatched has to make contact. So they have to show up. So maybe they... I don't know if it's different in Ontario, but
0: Or maybe it's changed over. Maybe.
1: But I don't know. Yeah, no. To know. me ninety one wasn't I get it was, but to me nineteen ninety one wasn't all that long ago.
0: And there are like you see those um nine one one operators who take it upon themselves to decide, like sometimes if they're dispatching, Stop. which is not okay, but it does happen. On july twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one Paul stalked Sidney Kirshen, aged 21, after he saw her while driving home from work. On August 9th, he resumed stalking her. This time, she took evasive action, stopping at her boyfriend's house just prior to his arrival. After spotting Paul, the boyfriend gave chase, came across Paul's gold Nissan, and took note of the license plate. The couple reported the incident to the NRP, which established that the car belonged to Paul. An NRP officer visited Paul's house and saw the car parked in the driveway but did not pursue the matter nor submitted an official police report. Shoddy. Shoddy is like a melody. That's what it sounded like. Sorry. Okay. A newspaper clipping found during the police search of Paul's house described a rape that occurred in Hawaii during the couple's honeymoon there in the summer of 1991. Like, this shit is so crazy. Wow. The article, and the rape's similarity to Paul's M.O., and its occurrence during the couple's presence in Hawaii, led police to speculate on Paul's involvement. Duh. Duh. (laughs) Law enforcement officials in both Canada and the U.S. have stated their belief that Paul was responsible for this rape, but due to extradition issues, this case was never prosecuted. Horrible. On November 30th, 1991, Terry Anderson, a grade 9 student at Lakeport Secondary School, adjacent to Kristen's uh, Catholic school, vanished less than 2 kilometers from the parking lot where Kristen would later be abducted. In April 1992, the NRP said they had no evidence to suggest a link. Anderson's body was ultimately found in the water at Port Dalhousie.
1: That's... A little too suspicious how to just you, slough it off.
0: How do you not have evidence? that that That's enough evidence, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. The coroner saw no evidence of foul play, despite the difficulties of determining such factors in a body that had been in the water for six months. The coroner's ruling that her death was by drowning, probably as a result of drinking beer and taking LSD, was controversial in light of the circumstances of the Leslie and uh, Kristen murders, obviously. On March 29, 1992, Paul stalked and videotaped sisters Shanna and Carrie Patrick mm-hmm. from his car, following them to their parents' house. The sisters incorrectly recorded his license plate number. Shanna reported the incident to the NRP on March 31, 1992, and was given an incident number should further information develop. On April 18, 1992, while Kristen was still being held captive. Paul was spotted by Carrie while he had gone out to buy dinner and rent a movie. Despite failing to track him to his house, Carrie got a better description of his license plate and car, which she reported to the NRP. This information, however, was mishandled by police. In 2006, Paul confessed to at least 10 more sexual assaults dating to March 1986, including the 1987 assault of a 15-year-old girl. Another man who we've already discussed, Anthony, had been convicted of the assault and served a full sentence for it, and that's the one that they ended up overturning for right. him. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. The deal made for Carla's evidence, like to get her to talk against her husband, horrified Canadians who saw it like pretty much as a pact with the devil. Like,
1: <laughs> if you, I bet you, if you Google right now, deal with the devil. She'll come up. Betcha she'll come up. I bet. Because that's what it's known as here, yeah.
0: Literally. Her hearing was covered by one of the most strict publication bans ever seen in Canadian history. Carla served 12 years in prison on two counts of manslaughter. She was released on July 4th, 2005, and gave an interview to CBC that day. Again, to the horror of all Canadians.
1: I watched it and I was so.
0: Disgusted. Disgusted
1: and disappointed that her lawyer did most of the talking and it was in French and it was just like.
0: She speaks French now.
1: And it's just cowardly to me. It is. It's It's not who she
0: was. It's not who. Like, okay. so you look back, her, her family, they all they were all English speaking. Mm -hmm. Now she has like a newer interview and stuff. She speaks French and only French.
1: I'll say that a lot of people in Ontario, more Dude. so than Northern, are bilingual for sure, but I don't know if they But were. not
0: further. And, like, now she's, like, that's her main. Like, that's yeah. her. Yeah. It's just fucking weird. Anyway. <clears throat> Paul was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. He remains imprisoned despite an application for parole in 2018. He was also convicted on two counts of first-degree murder, kidnapping, unlawful confinement, sexual assault, and offering an indignity to a dead body. So he appealed his conviction on all nine counts, but asked for a new trial only on the two counts of first-degree murder. He admitted that he kidnapped the two victims and that he confined them in his house while he brutally sexually assaulted them. He maintained Carla alone was the killer and that he was guilty only of manslaughter. His appeal was denied. <laughs> Paul told his parole hearing he wouldn't reoffend, but he remains at high risk for intimate partner violence and moderate risk for recidivism. He said he cries about his crimes.
1: He cries about being caught. Yeah, for he crimes. for sure does.
0: He cries that Carla's not in jail That's right, right now. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has taken three treatment courses in prison, including for sex offenders, but shown minimal gains. Apparently. Paul is a no contact offender. That means much of his time is in a, well who knows now that he's moved over to the medium security prison which that literally just happened like before i wrote this therefore at the time of writing this i wanted to say paul is a no contact offender that means much of his time is in a 2.5 by 3 meter cell he gets one hour of solitary time on the range and his yard time is spent alone but medium security who knows
1: Yeah, no, it's not like that anymore. I think he's
0: negotiating things to try and, like, I don't know.
1: Get medium security prison? Yeah. Stupid.
0: I mean. And maybe a chance at parole because he's helping them, blah, 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 blah.
1: Well, I mean, that's how it works, right? You go from maximum to medium and then low security and then you're out.
0: Something I think is pretty interesting is that he told the parole board he has hardly any meaningful human contact and what little he does is degrading i'm like oh are you getting are you getting raped in prison is Uh, that what's happening degrading i don't know (laughs) um and then just to like mostly end this off um paul also told the parole board before they denied him parole quote being me in prison is hard (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny it's funny to me that's so Mm, funny
1: what a poor poor brutal serial killer sexual (laughs) rapist
0: being me in
1: prison is hard hard. okay
0: I hope it only gets harder
1: (laughs) I think if he ever did get out I think he would go and try to kill Carla
0: I think so too I think that's like what a good Like a last hurrah. Yeah. Let him out. No, I'm joking. I'm yeah, joking. No joking. doubt. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt.
1: No doubt. Let him win the pool. Just a joke. I'm just kidding. Keep Allegedly, you A uh, joke. What a monster. <laughs> I wish he would.
0: I mean, no, 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 no. Is that it? That's it, unless you have something that you want to say. That's the disgusting and creepy story of Ken and Barbie. I mean, it It really changed the way Canadians felt about
1: a lot of things. It did. Mm-hmm. We didn't think, even though we had uh, Clifford Olsen in BC and maybe a couple others here and there, but none were as highly publicized as Paul and Carla. So it brought that evil american plague of the serial killer home to canada do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i mean it sticks out it's a
0: i'd also like to say that like i mean maybe somebody would argue that this isn't true but to me the movie carla that i mentioned at the beginning of this chapter Mm -hmm. is so on point Mm -hmm. they studied their mannerisms Mm -hmm. like misha who plays Paul, Paul Bernardo, yeah. like the voice and everything, like he studied him and yeah. he hit that role so well. The makeup, the style, the hair, the remaking of the home videos. And we'd like to
1: point out too that he hates that he did that role. He oh, I know. hates that and he it. Like I don't blame it. him.
0: Yeah but i will say that he did a tremendous job at like literally putting this crime on screen where i felt like and this is probably what like the reason why he hated it is i felt like he was paul bernardo yeah and i felt like she was carla they played it so freaking well yeah it's like um it's like re-identifying them as something else because now you're able to like put it put it on the screen um
1: we should also say that Leslie and Kristen's family, I mean, they fought hard. So those tapes that were hidden in Paul's bathroom, um, they've been destroyed. Uh, they fought hard to keep those that publication ban on those.
0: Which is good. Yeah, but oh every God.
1: single time like, anybody wants to make a movie or anything, they're they're fighting against releasing it. They don't want any of their daughter's torment and torture mm-hmm. and murders out there
0: yeah and the way that like that movie portrays it like it's heartbreaking yeah
1: i believe that they were successful in some ways with that movie it wasn't it was pulled back or something
0: i could see why like, i
1: remember when i bought it it was right when it first came out yeah but i don't know that it's available unless you buy it some.
0: I have the DVD, but yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, I know, cause I bought it. like, but, like right probably away. on, like, the internet. But, but.
1: I, I, like, I don't know for sure it could be available, but I know that they fought against mm-hmm. it. They were, they've been successful in having a lot of the information gagged for all these years. And, uh,
0: I feel like, um, Amazon often has that stuff. So. But you have
1: to watch if it's a UK or something version, then it won't play in our DVD players or whatever.
0: No, but they have Ken and Barbie killers, the lost murder tapes.
1: Yeah. Which... That's not the same. Yeah. The portions of the tapes that showed the murders and the sexual assaults they, are... They're never going to be viewed. That's right. They're yeah. destroyed and they're, they're narrated. Like, they're transcribed, I'm sorry. hmm So, you can read them, which I have, but the movie Carla actually depicts what was transcribed. Yeah. So, it's brutal, huh. horrifying. Heart goes out to the families Is um, always and rip to the victims. <laughs> to the victims. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. If you don't mind giving us a five star rating, it'll help our show grow. Check out our TikTok where you can find interesting photos and content on some of the released episodes. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and YouTube at True Crime Story Podcast where the discussion can continue. And if you wish to contact us, you may do so. Our email is truecrimestorypod at gmail.com.
0: I'm Bree. And I'm sure And we'll see you on the next chapter. Bye. Bye.